thank you very much indeed for joining us for this edition of the Heart Podcast. My name is Dr. James Rudd. I'm an associate editor at Heart from Cambridge, UK, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Professor Adam Timmis from the uh, Barts Heart Centre, who is in fact a uh, previous editor of uh, the Heart Journal. Professor Timmis, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, pleasure. Professor, I really wanted to uh, chat to you on the podcast in relation to a paper that's recently been published at Heart. The first author is uh, Dr. Niha Sekri, and the paper's entitled The 10-Year Prognostic Model for Patients with Suspected Angina Attending a Chest Pain Clinic. And I really found this paper to be of a really high uh, importance in terms of the really the diagnostic and, and um, prognostic outlook for these kind of patients. Perhaps you could give us, first of all, Prof, some background to the, uh, the motivation for performing the study. Yeah, the chest pain clinic at Newham was set up over 15 years ago. And right from the start, we wanted a clinic that would see patients within 24, 48 hours of referral. And we, in addition, wanted to capture all the clinical information in a purpose-built database uh, that we, well, that I wrote, uh, just using some off-the-shelf software. And um, the advantage of doing that way was, A, we captured uh, all the clinical data, B, we could generate clinical letters, which went immediately back to the GP, and C, we could share the database with uh, other hospitals uh, setting up chest pain clinics, uh, which is what we did. And this enabled us to, uh, after a few years, develop a cohort of uh, about 10,000, just under 10,000 patients who attended the chest pain clinic. And uh, Dr. Neha Sekri, my colleague, analyzed that data in a series of publications. Uh, and one of the things we did, which looking back was uh, showed unusual, if I can put it that way, foresight, was that we continued after we had published our papers on short-term outcomes and uh, other themes, uh, we continued, with permission I might add, uh, to collect the follow-up data uh, for mortality from the National Registry, which, um, and we got returns every two or three months, and, and, and we kept that data. So after 10 years, uh, we were able to uh, look at that original cohort and to look at the 10-year outcomes, uh, which was one of the original features of this paper, this long-term follow-up. And of course, this gave us, because we had uh, such considerable numbers of patients, uh, all very closely documented within the data we'd collected, this enabled us to uh, look at the development of of a prognostic model in this group of patients, which is what we did in this paper. And if I can just add one further point here, the reason that Hart, I'm sure, was interested in this paper uh, was because there are no prognostic uh, models uh, currently available in this group of patients. There are, there are lots of diagnostic models, in, in particular the... Um, Diamond Forrester algorithm and one or two others, and, and its recent update by Genders and her colleagues. Uh, but there were no prognostic models, and uh, in the era where practicing medicine in prognosis is really very much center stage uh, these days, and um, we were able to uh, do this piece of work. Okay, and 
to to boil it down to its to its essence, you identified seven readily available factors that would be available to the clinician on on really the first outpatient visit without any form of uh, imaging or uh, or testing. Uh, yeah. ap- apart from an ECG, which I found very, uh, you know, very easily applicable to um, to any chest pain clinic. Well, that's the whole. That was the whole point of this that mm. we were interested in uh, developing models around uh, data that would be available to any yeah. clinician uh, seeing these patients. So we've got just just for the audience who may not have the paper in front of them, we've got patient age, uh, sex, the type of chest pain, and that's divided into non-anginal typical anginal or atypical, and then we have pulse rates, uh, smoking status, diabetic status, and whether the ECG is normal or abnormal. And you've also uh, released a, an app or a website where this, all these numbers can be plugged in. And as well as giving you the uh, prognostic data, uh, the app also returns the, I guess it's the Diamond Forrester risk of, sorry, the uh, likelihood of diagnosis of obstructive coronary artery disease is that right that's exactly right uh, it's not actually it's a modified diamond modified. forest uh, there's a gender modification which is what the ESC guideline recommends is used and you showed very good ability with the prognostic model just looking here if the audience has got the paper in figure two with the Kaplan Meyer curves uh, really nice separation between those um, at classed as high risk by the model and those classed as low risk in fact most of the events happened um, in the highest risk patients. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, it, the, the model, um, in terms of its discrimination, measured mm. uh, by the C index, yeah. the C statistic, uh, performed extremely well. And uh, in the, in, uh, we, we developed the model in half of our cohorts uh, from new and validated it in the other half and then presented all um, 9,500 patients um, uh, were used to develop the final model, and uh, we reported a C statistic of uh, 0.83, which uh, is very good. And as you say, that graph uh, confirms how this model will pick out uh, the, the patients at greatest risk. And how would you see this being applied by clinicians in, in, in chest pain clinics? Well, the um, as we showed in one of our earlier papers, um, Patients who are diagnosed uh, with angina uh, in chest pain clinics have uh, not a dreadful prognosis, but have uh, clearly separate from those diagnosed with non-anginal chest pain. But uh, as it happens, about a third of all cardiovascular events during follow-up do actually occur in patients reassured with a diagnosis of non-cardiac chest pain. So we believe that by applying this uh, prognostic model, we will capture some of those uh, patients who fall through the diagnostic net and allow uh, clinicians to uh, identify their high risk uh, and prescribe treatments uh, to reduce that risk. So it will hopefully help to, to target treatments to the people at the highest risk. That's what we hope, yeah. Over the next 10 years. Yeah. Fantastic. And the website address and um, supplementary data is also available um, on the HEART website. And I understand the paper is open access. Um, yeah, it is, yeah. Funded by the National Institute of Health Research in the UK. Well, thank you very much indeed for your time, Professor Timmis. Um, I'm sure this podcast and paper will be of in- interest to the uh, 
to the Heart audience. And once again, I'm Dr. James Rudd from Cambridge, Associate Editor at Heart. And thank you very much for joining us for this edition of the podcast. Thank you.